Welcome to the April 13th edition of Global Nashville with Carl Dean, presented by the Tennessee World Affairs Council. I'm Patrick Ryan. This evening, Mayor Dean will speak with two community leaders who represent the Nashville Area Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. A very complete bio for each of our guests is on our website at tnwac.org. Dr. Rolando Toyos is chairman of the board of the chamber. He is an ophthalmologist specializing in cataract surgery, LASIK, glaucoma, and dry eye. He is one of the most experienced surgeons in the country, completing over 35,000 cataract surgeries, 20,000 glaucoma laser treatments, and 25,000 LASIK surgeries. Dr. Toyos' clinic has been recognized as one of the fastest growing companies in the United States by Inc. Magazine. Yuri Kunza is a Hispanic media professional, business and community advocate. He serves as president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce and is co-founder of the Spanish language newspaper, La Noticia. In 2018, Yuri Kunza was selected to serve on the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, serving as chair of Region 6, which represents Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, Puerto Rico, South Carolina, and Tennessee. He has been named to the Nashville Post's in charge list of business leaders who are writing Music City's success story. Again, please look at the biographies of these leaders in our community to learn more about their contributions, too numerous to mention here. The Nashville Area Ch Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is the oldest, longest running Hispanic business association in Tennessee, promoting the economic growth and development of Hispanic entrepreneurs. With a membership of more than 300 businesses, the chamber represents their interest in Nashville and surrounding areas connecting entrepreneurs and micro enterprises, facilitating strategic alliances, networking and sharing of business and financial best practices. And now, Mayor Carl Dean. Well, thank you, Pat, and uh, welcome uh, to Yuri and Doctor. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're both with us. Uh, let me just start with uh, Yuri and ask this question. Um, let me just understand the, the the relationship between you two and and where you fit in the organizational chart. Um, Yuri, you're the you're the executive director. You're the day-to-day -day management of the. Uh, the National Area Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Is, is that correct? That, that's correct, that's accurate. Um, the Hispanic Chamber is now 21 years old. Okay, and Dr. Toyos, then you would be, you're a member of the chamber and been active in the chamber, I assume, and you have risen to the position now where you're president of the chamber, essentially the leader of the membership of the organization. Yeah, so Yuri got me involved a few years ago and at first as a member and then I became part of the board of directors and uh, last year became the chairman of the to the board. And uh, so Yuri and I have been working together through the pandemic to to push the chamber forward. Right. And so, uh, Doctor, I'll start with you. Um, could you just sort of get us acquainted? What's your background? How, um, how long have you been in Nashville and what are you, what's, what's your goals and dreams? So, uh, born in New York to two, uh, immigrants. My dad is Cuban. My mom is Dominican. Uh, they escaped, uh, Castro's Cuba, came here to fulfill their dreams. Uh, and they instilled in us a work ethic and 
Uh, I was raised by my parents to think America was the greatest country on earth because you could pursue your dreams and had the freedom to do that, uh, which was uh, that freedom they didn't have when they were in Cuba. And from New York, I moved to Northern California. I come from a long line of teachers. Uh, so eventually I was a, became a high school science teacher and a high school basketball coach. Then after that, decided to go to medical school and uh, did a residency in ophthalmology. And while I was doing my residency, I got a phone call from St. Jude's and they needed a ophthalmologist. I came to visit Tennessee and I fell in love 23 years ago. So we had practices throughout West Tennessee. And then uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we opened a practice in Nashville. And now we have three practices in the Nashville uh, area. But my, my goal, even from very early on, was to uh, try to help as many people as possible and, uh, and help Hispanics and help new immigrants, because I know what my parents went through. And also, they were uh, very uh, instrumental in helping me pursue a dream. So I'm always looking for dreamers and trying to, to lift them up and do whatever I can to, to help them. And the chamber seemed like a perfect thing to do in, in Nashville. And the work that Yuri has done in the past and is, and is doing uh, really attracted me. Well, I mean, this is a little off point, but... I'm intrigued by the fact that you were a teacher and a coach and then decided to go to medical school. How old were you when you decided that? Well, I, my, my parents put me in school early. So I was actually teaching at 20. So I was already a full-time teacher and also getting a master's and uh, also doing research. So I never finished, well, not finished. I never stopped doing my undergraduate uh, research uh, in medicine. And then eventually I just had to make a decision and I loved both careers. I loved, I loved being a coach. I loved being a teacher, but there was always something pulling uh, me to doing re research and being in medicine. And I love what I do now, but I still you were, am you were, in teaching, you were teaching science, right? Yeah. I was teaching so, chemistry and biology in high school at 20. So you had the you were able to apply to medical school and you already had the necessary science background to support that application. Yeah. Cause I was always thinking I was going to do one uh, or the other. And then I just decided uh, to do both, but you know, this actually is the same skills that I used as a teacher. I'm still using today because I go around and I teach doctors how to do new procedures. I teach them about the research that we're doing. My wife's also an ophthalmologist and she heads our uh, research program. So uh, her and I are always out uh, teaching. We've been around the world teaching. And, uh, you know, it, it actually allowed me to do the, the two things that I love the most, which is medicine and, and teaching. And what year did you move to Nashville? Uh, 20, I want to say 20, uh, uh, 2008 or nine, somewhere around there, two, maybe 2010, somewhere around there. After shortly, about the time I was mayor and you, yeah. um, and you came to Nashville. Had you been here before? How'd you pick Nashville? It's really funny. You know, we just, when I first uh, started working in Memphis and in Jackson, Tennessee, I would always come to uh, Nashville to watch the, uh, the Titans or, 
the things that were going on in Nashville. So, and there was an opportunity for me way back. Uh, I think it was like 2004, 2005. Uh, I was offered a practice uh, that I almost bought um, and took over. But at the time I was, uh, I was team physician for the Memphis Grizzlies and it was taking up so much of my time. I didn't think uh, I could do all of it, even though if you ask my wife, I say yes to everything. And then I try to figure out how to, to get it done. But then uh, after 10 years of doing the Grizzlies, I decided I, I wanted to do other things. And my kids were starting to grow up and spend some more time. And then my wife wanted to move to Nashville because of the, the great schools. And so our daughter graduated, our eldest daughter graduated from Brentwood. And it was a great experience for her. And then our middle child will be going through there and our youngest child uh, is going to a private school. But I think education is kind of what brought us here. And while we're here, I just decided to open a clinic and then it just, it just grew. And there's the opportunity, the opportunity in Nashville there's, there's a lot of opportunity, and I still think there's a lot of opportunity in Nashville. All right, you identified sort of the economic strength of the city, saw that as an attraction, but how did you look at Nashville as somebody who was coming from New York, your parents, Dominicans, Cubans, and then you were out in sort of the more, at least nationally known as more liberal area, Northern California. Yeah. How, how did you feel about moving to Tennessee as... as yeah, you know, so my, my parents are very conservative, and I know if you look at my bio, I went to Berkeley and Stanford, so, you know, you would assume kind of a Berkeley-Stanford slant, but uh, I, I'm a conservative, uh, but I, I like to put myself more as a, um, a conservative with my ears open, and, you know, I listen to everybody and I make my own decisions and I don't do knee jerk decisions. I uh, try to figure out, but fiscally I'm, I'm uh, very conservative, uh, but most of my friends at Berkeley and Stanford were very liberal and we could sit down and have conversations. And if you look at my social media on Facebook, you'll find just as many Bernie Sanders supporters as you would Trump supporters, and I, and I like I like being in that position. I like to be able that people can talk to me, tell me their ideas, and we can have logical discussions and figure out what's the what's the best answer. So, um, I'm I'm open. Well, how have you found Tennessee? What whether in Memphis or Nashville? How have you found the state in terms of being a welcoming place to somebody from the outside? Which yeah, I, I think people will size you up and kind of look at you if you're an outsider and, and what are, you know, what, uh, why are you here? And uh, are you going to be a taker or a giver? And I think, you know, coming here for St. Jude's, that kind of showed what I wanted to pursue. And I think people are very open and, and nice here. I've never, I've never had a problem uh, in Tennessee and I've, uh, you know, you have individuals that you may have a problem with, but I've never as a collective, uh, I love it here. And, you know, when I first decided to move here, a lot of my friends were saying, Tennessee, you know, where did that come from? And for years, they would ask me that question. But I think over the last six or seven years, my California friends, my New York friends, my 
Illinois friends, my Florida friends uh, are, are wanting to move here. So yeah, they well, come I figured out you got it right a little bit early. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Let me, Yuri, let me switch to Yuri for a second here. And before I start, I want to ask you some questions, Yuri, about the, the chamber and its mission and its membership. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Why Nashville? How did you get here? And what's your background? And you're muted if, if you have. You know. Yeah, I don't know if you can all hear me, but I'm having a, a little. Oh, I think I think we lost them. I think I'm back. I don't know if it's oh. probably my internet. Sorry, I'm in South Nashville. So what can you tell us about your your background and how you got to Nashville? Yep, uh, Mayor uh, Dean, can you please repeat that again? Could you um, tell us um, how about your background and how you got to Nashville? What you know? How did you come to live in Nashville? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I came first in 1992 uh, to. Well, the plan was that I would learn English. I was in medical school in Argentina. Um, I was uh, going into my third year. Uh, it was a five-year program. And uh, my, I have a relative here in Nashville and my uncle and his wife were um, at Meharry and Vanderbilt. And they thought it would be a good idea to, to, to learn the language and be prepared by, for the time that I graduate. I can, uh, I can perhaps uh, have an opportunity for, 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 for a job in, in the United States um, that I'm sure they meant to facilitate. Um, and uh, well, uh, things didn't work out that way. Uh, I uh, ended up, uh, uh, yes, uh, taking my my English class here, and well, let me, um, Rolando, let me ask you this yeah. then: could you could you um, step in and sort of explain? what the uh, mission of the uh, Middle Tennessee Hispanic Chamber is and what, who comprises the membership? Yeah, so it's a nonprofit that is here to serve uh, businesses, uh, Hispanic businesses in the Nashville area, but we have businesses in Murphy's, you know, who, Murfreesboro and, and the surrounding areas. And the way I see it is to be uh, any assistance that we can be to help businesses thrive is where I think the role of the chamber is. Now, if we do other things that are um, more outreach towards just helping the community, that's great. But I think our main number one purpose is to help Hispanic businesses thrive. And I think last year was very important because with COVID, what we saw early on is businesses, these Hispanic businesses didn't know how to react and didn't have the connections that I saw other businesses 
have. So for example, early on with the PPP, we had Hispanic businesses that have never had any kind of relation, strong relationships with banks, and they weren't able to tap into the PPP because they didn't develop strong relationships with banks. So that was one of the first things that we jumped into and started getting them uh, lined up with PPP, with banks, so that they could actually take advantage of that and keep their businesses open. And what we did right away, we started a Saturday morning Zoom conference where we actually picked specific topics like how to apply for your PPP. Uh, we brought in different banks to talk about applying for the PPP. We, we brought in different government officials to talk about that. And then we've been continuing this on uh, every Saturday uh, since uh, I think we were on February or March when we when we started that. And it's been incredibly helpful to a lot of businesses and even myself that I've had of last year, right? Last year yeah. of last year. And even myself as a business owner of 23 years, I found it, uh, I find these Saturday conferences very helpful with the guest speakers that we have come in. But if you look at statistics, uh, uh, so the Hispanics and Latinos are, businesses are the fastest growing entrepreneur group in the nation. Uh, Stanford did uh, a study showing that the US Hispanic economy would be number five in terms of GDP uh, of the world. But the underside of that is that uh, Hispanic businesses, their average bring home is uh, bottom line is uh, 150,000, whereas other small businesses are bringing in $500,000. And their access to capital is much less uh, than other businesses. So even though there's that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, we have to, there's more education that needs to happen. And there is places where chambers like ourselves and the United States Hispanic Chamber can come in and provide valuable uh, information. And just to give you a little side story about that whole thing is when I saw that there was no, they didn't have relationships with banks, we were trying everything to, to start these relationships, but it's hard to start a relationship in a panic, right? It's much better to have a relationship when times are good and then when times are bad. And I even thought about uh, starting a bank. So I was putting together a group to start our own bank and then uh, one of our members who is a banker set me up with uh, a group that was starting a bank in the Nashville area. So now I'm part of uh, shareholders into a, a local Nashville bank called Lineage Financial. And one of our major goals is to do Hispanic business outreach. Right, so do you see, is the chamber's role how would you divide the role up in terms of, obviously you're reaching out to Hispanic business people in the middle Tennessee area. Yeah. But you also have the role where you're reaching out to the sort of established banks, businesses, the governments of middle Tennessee, which are not predominantly Hispanic to, to cooperate, to seek um, help or whatever. What, How's that balanced out? What's, what's your role? Is it mainly reaching out to Hispanic business or is it reaching out to, to get help for, for Hispanic business? 
I think they're mutually inclusive. I think you, you initially have to get them and to see the value of a chamber. So um, my goal this year directing the board was let's give value add. If, if we want to be a successful chamber, wh what is our value add for a business? And then once we do that, then we have to go out to these other banks, agencies and the like and say, what is the value add for you to uh, foster our chamber and foster the businesses in our chamber? And then it's a win-win for everybody. I, I think when it comes to business, you know, business is pretty straightforward. What are you going to do for me? And what am I going to do for you? And is it beneficial for both of us? And if you can do that, then uh, everybody's successful. Right. But and, and Yuri, jump in here if, if you're able to technically. Um, what, what is the membership of the chamber? How, how large is it? And um, what's the range and size of businesses that are, that are represented by the chamber? Great. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. Look, I, we have had 61 Zoom meetings since the start of the pandemic. And I don't think I have any technical problems with that every Saturday morning. And today, I think it's just the power of this group of people that is just overloading my system. I want to think that way. But our membership is about 350 members that range from very small micro business to large corporations. It's only that the corporations, large employers, of course, it makes sense because we are a bridge to those two communities, the Hispanic business community, the small business community, minority-owned business and the mainstream large uh, business in, in the city. But like, for instance, I'm, I'm seeing here a comment on the chat area from one of our members, uh, Julio Rivera from Delta. I think that is the Julio Rivera from Delta. I, I hope I'm not mistaken that from somebody else, but that will be, a, that's a great example of one of the corporate members we have, which brings value because those are resources, interconnected memberships, and also we have that uh, really family-owned business that is in the South Nashville area that uh, is struggling to keep their dreams intact despite the impact of, of these uh, really sad and devastated uh, 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 virus. Uh, and so for us, it's each one, I mean, the, that's what our by, by, bylaws say, each one member, despite the fact that there are different sizes and different, uh, investments on the uh, uh, to the chamber, they are still for us. They are equal. They have the same voice. I mean, it's one one member, one voice. Right. right. Um, 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 if if a business in Nashville was or anywhere in Middle Tennessee was interested in strengthening or making connections with uh, businesses in Central America or South America. Would the Nashville Hispanic Chamber be a place to turn to for, for that business or, or, or is that outside what, what you do? Well, I think we are great connectors. Um, our, our job is to know what's happening around here and make it uh, you know, simplify it for those newcomers or those that uh, have not been plugged in to what's happening. So we are, have to be constantly um, connected, engaged, and even, even though we may not be the ones that are bringing that to them, we will likely know uh, where to direct them. And so it's important for us to be active, not only what is happening in our city, but also in our uh, region. Um, yeah. 
right. And, and so, you, uh, so you, have, you have been at this job for, for a while. You've been, how long have you been the executive director? Yeah, I was on the board and I served one term as a chairman. And then uh, the board, went, I mean, it was a time in which um, I know I skipped all your, your, your previous question because of my technical difficulties, but so I served on the board one term and then I was, when it was done, the board directors wanted to keep that momentum going. And we, I mean, we, we basically became very busy and it was a threat to the organization not to, you know, to keep up with all of that. So they offer a job, but there was no funds really available to pay anybody. So I, 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 I served in the, role, in the role of the director for several years, actually, without getting any compensation. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, ashamed to say that. That's because it was important to us. Nashville was asking for, for voices. And what we need most right now is, is our community to be represented, which is not, is not in government yet, it's not in other uh, areas of the- Right, uh, that's exactly my point. I mean, you and I have known each other, I don't know how long, but it, I, I, I bet you it's over 20 years. And- <laughs> Looks and, like, it, yeah. And, and so you were there in this position when Nashville was facing different challenges. I mean, you went through the English only vote, you went through a period where certainly on a national level, and you, probably, you know, you're still going through this on a national level and on a state level, there was sort of a backlash against immigration. Um, and, and so when you look back at your time with the chamber, uh, how do you think Nashville has done? Uh, what do we need to do? And, and do, you, do you feel better than you did when you first gotten started with this? Yeah, well, you know, I, I was a, a rookie when I got into, I, I was asked to be part of the board by the board back then when I was doing a uh, international film series at the Belcourt Theater. I, I, I went to film school, so I have a, a degree in fine arts and, and film directing. And my connections with that were, I think, growing and still are. And it's something that I rejoice when I have to do that, that ha doesn't have to deal with somehow a little of the politics and a lot of the tension because of, you know, Nashville continues growing, continues to grow and is still trying to embrace and I guess just realize that, you know, the rest of the, I mean, we are no different than the rest of the country and the rest of the world. So what by being part, I mean, by joining the organization, um, and and then just it, it is almost I think having a family that I don't have a family of my own. Uh, I, it's 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 something that that I think for all of us. And I would like to hear from Dr. Toyos how you know after his his time is up, his time is served, and he continues to be involved. I think it's it's, it's a lot to enjoy. Um, I don't I don't think it's uh, someone should should. I covet that position because there's a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes unfriendliness from a community that that is not really uh, in tune with what's happening to the rest of the world. And so, but you know, I I basically faced, and you know, Mayor Dean, you 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 probably remember all of that. Uh, we will face uh, all kinds of criticism, but also I guess some recognition. Uh, to me is that our community is here, is a, a community that 
could be an asset, and it is an asset. Uh, it, it is part of the economic uh, uh, picture here, and and we should we should learn more and and recognize uh, its value. Um, I consider the Hispanic community to be the backbone of the economic prosperity for Nashville for all of these years that have passed. Right. Well, Dr. Toyos, let me ask you this then, as the president and deeply involved in business in Middle Tennessee, um, you know, before you arrived here, there were a series of challenges the city faced, 2009, the English only vote, um, you know, different actions taken by various political bodies that might not have been interpreted as being friendly to immigration. What are the greatest, if, if you could speak to the Nashville community, speak to the Nashville government, uh, speak to the people in Middle Tennessee, what does Hispanic business need? Well, I, I think what I was saying before in terms of inroads to, uh, uh, to the business, normal business economy, inroads into banks to foster small businesses, which will grow into bigger businesses. When you talk about that there, we have more businesses, but they're not generating the, the same revenue as other businesses, even though they're just as successful, it just tells you they don't have uh, investment money to grow their, their idea. And really that is the access to capital is really one of the most major things to be able to have a successful business. So we have several successful businesses in the Hispanic Latino run businesses in the Nashville area. And even though they are successful, they have not uh, learned how to get access to capital and as one banker has told me, you know, sometimes it's easier to get millions of dollars than it is to get 10,000 uh, in the banking world because they have to fill out all the same paperwork, do all the same certifications and the rest. So I think a couple of things have to happen. One is to uh, open this Hispanic community's eyes to what the potential can be then once they start moving forward and, and realizing their power, then others uh, who aren't Hispanic will, will realize what they're bringing to the table. So the reason why I'm, I'm saying it like this is because if you look at other large Hispanic communities in other parts of the country, you will see that they have inroads to capital, into politics, uh, into the different organizations that run a city or, or area or community. And that's what we're lacking here uh, right now. So you were mentioning before, we don't really have a lot of Hispanics in political power. Uh, we, there's not many Hispanics in the banking world, which is, I, I had no idea in my mind that I would ever get into banking uh, until I saw what a need was. And I said, if there's a need, I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to help. So if you look at other communities, like biggest, they have a large Hispanic community uh, group, look at Miami, uh, LA, um, right. parts of New York, 
they have all of these things working at the same time and it's made their businesses grow. And that's what needs to happen in Nashville. It's a challenge. I mean, well, what I'm hearing you say, and I, I totally understand this, that you feel that the Hispanic community is not fully integrated into the economic, political power structure of the community. And what are the roadblocks to that? I mean, how does that change? Is so, and this, this is what I, I, I would like to bring to the chamber. So many times it's holding your, yourself back. So I, I heard from many banks saying, well, I, I've never had a relationship with them. They've never, they've never come to me and asked me for money before. And that might be a little bit cultural to uh, step into a place that you, you know no one. There may be a language barrier there and say, hey, I have this idea. Can I get a line of credit for a hundred thousand dollars? Right, Yuri, you had something to add? Yeah, well, that's the thing. So, this is what we see. We uh, it, it's still, I think. I mean, I, 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 I'm trying not to be bl too blunt here, but it seems like be blunt. Be blunt. This is a good. Yeah, it's like it, it, for all these years, it looks like uh, it appears that Hispanics are supposed to be asking for something. Right. And, and, and that's not what we do. Uh, we, we, our organization, uh, what we, I guess, attempt to do is showcase the uh, examples of success and determination that members that belong to this particular group of, of uh, individuals that are in business. Uh, as an example, and also as a role model that our our young uh, uh, members of the community also need, because there are no really those roles appearing in, in, in the mainstream uh, business, private, or, or or government. So, but but like saying, oh, they didn't ask for what? Are we going to ask for money to help the Hispanic community to bring them like food, maybe? have them learn English or something like that. I, I don't think that's how our community is. Uh, and I, I, I really dislike the fact that sometimes, you know, we are the subject of a, an event that is uh, portraying to uh, fundraise to advance a community that actually is not coming to this country to ask for a handout. It's a community that is a vital. That is extremely important is that the immigrant population, Hispanic population, is the most entrepreneurial group in the United States. And I think that's been borne out here in Nashville too. What's your relationship with the Nashville Chamber of Commerce, the Ralph Schultz organization? You um, would not want me to describe it as that, but just to say the difference yeah, is well, Ralph is the head of the chamber. Patrick referred to Dr. Toys as the chairman of the chamber. So right. I wanted to clarify just so Ralph doesn't get uh, uh, upset about that. But I, I know. So we, we, are, we have a relationship of uh, collaboration through years uh, and through the leadership, different leadership that the chamber has had. Um, uh, we sit at the table to see in, in which way we can support their efforts. And we hope that and I, we don't doubt that uh, they will definitely support anything that we may need at this point. Uh, it's, it's not often that that's the case, but um, their members uh, may not 
uh, or our members, uh, the Hispanic-owned business may not have the affinity to join their organization due to different reasons, including maybe just because of the um, the background of uh, the multicultural or Hispanic background that our organization has that may uh, make more sense to the members we have, but we also have members of the mainstream business community that are members here. So I will say that in efforts, we have supported um, the National Chamber. We are part of their education efforts. Um, and I do not doubt that uh, if we need anything, they'll be there for us. But perhaps if they, I mean, I know they, they have um, wanted to recruit more from the Hispanic uh, business community and, and it has been a challenge. Um, of course, if we find that um, our, any of our members can uh, take advantage of that, many times we have facilitated, um, um, participated um, in, in efforts that the National Chamber has done to include minority businesses, just as a sign of goodwill. Um, yeah, it's, it, we, 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 have, we have a particular niche market, I guess, that we, we work with and we deal with. Right, can, can, can uh, for lack of a better word, mainstream or non-Hispanic businesses in Nashville, can, members of the National Chamber of Commerce, can they join your chamber? Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, that's, we have, we have a good 60 large, uh, medium, large, I said sometimes super big uh, corporate members or, or members, that um, they want to learn, I mean, the, for us at the NHCC through the years, we have seen that uh, one reason to join could be, okay, I'm new to, to, to Nashville and I want to get to know uh, more people that speak my language that are in business, that are Latinos. Another reason could be a, a business cares to make inroads with a group of uh, entrepreneurs or, or an association that will know or is supposed to know, and we do all efforts possible to constantly get to know who is around and who does what in the Hispanic business mm -hmm. community. And also, also for hiring. So some of those reasons are, I guess it may look good for a corporation to be a member of the Hispanic Chamber because then they have a, a channel of communication with a community that is unfortunately sometimes separated from the from the rest because they are busy doing their things and we have these corridors like knowledgeable road or others in which are predominantly immigrant and you know mayor dean very much about the conversation we have which we have had about that right circumstance. let me ask you let me ask you this question i think it's an important question you've been here for different amounts of time uh, yuri's been here longer than rolando has but looking back at your time in Middle Tennessee, are we, in terms of working for the Hispanic Chamber's point of view and the way things are going in Middle Tennessee, your involvement in the economy, the growth of business, the way uh, new Americans are treated, are we moving in the right direction here? Tough question, I know, but are, are, are we generally moving in the right direction? And if not, what's the biggest no. problem? It's a time of change, um, and and the pandemic is not over. So there still be, you know, I, I think ways to see things and adapt and adjust. Um, I was just thinking about that question earlier about the relationship with the National Chamber, for instance. 
I think we were very instrumental in supporting of the um, against the English only. And also when Nissan wanted to move to Nashville or to the area, uh, we, we, we presented a good case that there was a community here that, that could embrace uh, those that would relocate. The same thing with Amazon, the same thing with Alliance Bernstein and others uh, that we, uh, we've been there. We've been, we've been soccer, like we've been there. We, we were at the table, it was good to be part of that. And, and I think, I hope we are considered to be an allied uh, in the process. So, but then we, you know, I can say, uh, you know, if I am not there, I'm risking that no one will be there. And we have other friends, uh, Mayor Dean, that you know from other associations or nonprofits that that we uh, that also sometimes are also the table, but is not many. So it is hard. It, it is a lot of pressure too because I feel that if there is a invitation to be part of something, I, I cannot turn that down because that may be the only opportunity for our community to be represented, to be to be seen as part of this uh, um, you know growing city. Uh, so no, I mean uh, we will think that is better. Uh, maybe it's a little easier because we have a lot more friends and allies. Uh, more people know us. It took a while to get that respect. I think, I hope we have. I know we have some media respect because they find us as a source uh, for uh, many of the stories that they cover that are very uh, well-meaning. Um, it's, 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 we're still traveling. We haven't arrived to our destination. Dr. Toyos. So here's what you have to do. First of all, there's stereotypes. And the only way you break stereotypes is to be involved and show them that you are not a stereotype. So when people have stereo stereotypes about Hispanics being X, Y, and Z um, that don't have the cultural literacy or the uh, ability to meet this group, you go out and say, look, here's who we are, here's what we're doing for your community. If we weren't contributing to your community or we weren't here in your community, you, your community would not survive. And I tell people that all the time, you know, you should, and, but we have to go out and, and show them. And, that, and that's just the way life works. You have to go out, prove yourself, show your, show your best, and then people start getting a different opinion uh, about you and, and it breaks stereotypes. But the only way to do that is to be involved. So that's why I say, I say yes to everything. Somebody wants me to do something, I say yes. And then my scheduler at the clinic goes, are you crazy? You already said yes to like this, this, and this, and how are you gonna do it? And how are you gonna fit? So I'm, I'm driving around crazy or you know, going from one meeting to another, but that's the only way that you actually break the cycle of of people thinking one thing about your group uh, and you know yuri does a good job of representing us but it's got to be more than yuri and this is what he was talking about before mentors you know there's really not a lot of mentors out there or uh to to do the hands up approach of bringing people bringing people more uh, like yourself up. So well, I, let me ask you this sort of uh, wrapping up my part of this is um, 
you say yes a lot and you're very busy, but you've also written a book. And since we have a guest on who's written a book, we've got to at least mention that and get the title out there and, and tell us what the book is about. What, 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 what have you just published? So it's Optimum Health in the Pandemic Age. And I've been working on a health book for a couple of years. And then uh, my wife and I were supposed to go to China in November uh, uh, to complete a research study that we started uh, out there. And I've been to China several times. And uh, in October, an the group that we we're going to be working with said, hey, don't come. Uh, we think we have a new SARS uh, uh, epidemic. Um, so I was getting information and talking to them throughout that whole episode. So I knew about the epidemic, which turned into a pandemic of COVID a long, uh, long time ago. So I started researching on epidemics and pandemics, and then I decided to turn my health book uh, with a focus into pandemics and epidemics and bring them both in. So uh, I finished that around January and published it in, in February. And uh, what I'm very happy about, even the stuff that I talked about then actually has borne out, uh, which is good. So my books are very uh, scientific research oriented. So I will go through and I'll read possibly ask you tonight is what's the title tell the viewers the title optimum health in the pandemic age all right good and so um take a look at that and pat do we have some questions on carl we do um and i, I would just like to mention i, I like uh, dr toyo's uh, approach that if you want a seat at the table you have to show up uh, yes. that's, that's good, good advice for, for anybody. Um, we have a, a question from uh, Joyce, who's on the board at the chamber, uh, not the chamber, your, your, your chamber. Um, and uh, Joyce asks uh, for you to tell us about the pre-pandemic business difficulties that some Hispanic businesses experienced in uh, South Nashville when uh, uh, their leases were ended. Um, it, it sounds like the question is, uh, to, uh, to rent to a higher bidder, uh, but uh, tell us what that's about. Yeah, and as Nashville grows and we wanna see all of that and change it into a, uh, I don't know, bigger city um, and everybody you know likes those relocations and welcome the big corporations moving into their headquarters to Nashville. At the same time, uh, the value of properties are, are, are uh, increasing and sometimes those that rent um, uh, do not get a, a, a reasonable deal when they have to renew their leases. So some of the, um, so that is that process of gentrification, I guess that is impacting our small businesses. Um, now also the property, property tax increase is another thing that our small businesses are concerned, uh, but you know, what Joyce is referring and, 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 and you know, I have to also definitely uh, make sure it, I uh, share with you that uh, the work we do is guided and is uh, supported by our board directors that without them, we could not uh, really have that direction. And we have been lucky to have, and fortunate, I'll say fortunate to have uh, a good uh, uh, board directors for, for, for many years now. Uh, it's a two-year term, 
uh, for them. But uh, they they really dedicated, and and then without them, I mean, we would not be as busy as we are, and we are happy that we are. So thank you, Pat, for changing my name there on the screen, and now I am officially Yuri Kulsa with a C instead of K. I, I echo your uh, appreciation for board members, and we're we're uh, honored at the World Affairs Council to have Mayor Dean on on our board. Uh, let me ask uh, one last question from the audience, and then uh, I've got one. Uh, Walter asks, "What advice do you have for Hispanic business owners as they uh, prepare for themselves to come out of the uh, COVID into better times? Any any issues that uh, business issues you see? Uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, a boom." Um, but there's a lot of stimulus money. So what, what's what's the forecast and things uh, you tell your chamber they should be on the lookout for? Rolando, you want do you want to take that yeah, first? I'll, and, and yeah, I'll take that. So, yeah. So you know, one of the things that I talked about early on when we started our Saturday conferences is be ready and prepared for everything. So when uh, COVID hit and businesses were limited on what they could do. Uh, I said, uh, instead of throwing your hands up, what are you going to do to continue to uh, get business? So, for example, in our business, we went to online. So we have things, products that we sell. And so we invested money into getting a whole online uh, 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 store so that we could actually generate revenue while our clinics uh, were closed. And so I'm saying the same thing now, now that we're coming out, what what investments are you going to make to get this, uh, to take advantage of this rush coming back? So what are you going to do? So I never liked the idea of you, the question that Joyce was asking. So you, my feeling is in business, if somebody's playing hardball with you, play hardball right back with them and be prepared. And there is going to be conflicts in business and, you want to be in a position of strength and not in dealing in a position of weakness. So if somebody, if a, your lease or uh, comes to you, the person leasing to you comes to you and says, well, you know, I want this property now and, and um, I'm evicting you or something like that. You counter and say, well, you, I have a contract. You, you can evict me. So this comes back to the education of uh, educating our businesses and what their rights are, what they can't can and can't do and and dealing in position of strength so this is why mentors are important and people who have been through the battles before can help the ones that are starting their battles now yuri any advice uh, for business owners in the, in the uh, post-pandemic post yeah has been uh, they have been uh, learning a lot because it was something that needed to be done. Um, and we are very proud to uh, serve and provide technical assistance uh, here from Nashville, in Nashville as one of uh, eight locations in the country as part of the, what is called the uh, USACC CARES. Uh, and it is a, an effort led by the National Hispanic Chamber that has identified uh, seven other cities outside Washington, D.C. Uh, to serve as a bilingual uh, uh, technical support and assistance to uh, take advantage of the resources and funding available through the CARES Act. 
So we, I, I'm very happy to report that several of our small Hispanic businesses have been able to go through the process and actually qualify and get some that necessary funding that will keep their business uh, open, we hope. Uh, there are some questions here on the chat room, and I would like to answer one here that says, what from Dulce Torres, uh, hola Dulce, gracias por estar aquí. Uh, what needs to happen for more Latinos to join public office and roles needed in Nashville's economy? Well, I have thought about this a lot because this is what I see all the time. It's that Dr. Toyo said was I could not turn down an invite to be at the table because that may be an opportunity that cannot be repeated. And, uh, but people are busy and this is not California or Florida or Texas or any of those or, she, or uh, Illinois uh, where the Latinos are much, you know, the pop population will probably permit for a segment of those to be a lot more active and involved. Uh, I guess people need to work and make a living. And they also don't wanna get into, in the middle of any controversy. And as Mayor Dean knows, and probably Pat also knows, um, being Latino sometimes can be controversial depending on the season and the political season. And, and what happens to, you know, one Latino, makes a mistake, then basically all the community made that mistake. And then we have to carry that for a few weeks or a few months or a few, year, few years. Yeah. And so it is, it's, not, it's not easy to say, oh, I'm gonna be part of this. They, they just, oh, maybe I don't need to put a spotlight in the fact that I'm a Hispanic. So Dr. Toyos, thank you very much for getting yourself into this, um, you know, I assume uh, voluntarily and very well aware of what you were doing. But this is not what the average Latino will want to do, uh, be under that spotlight because that sometimes may backfire. And, and But few of us have done it and I think it's well worth that. I will not, I do not regret it. And I don't think I can do it much to change anything that happened in the past, but I think it was for a good cause and uh, I, we hope eventually uh, it ends up benefiting our community uh, on the, in the years to come. Well, thank you. Right. Be sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so one, one last. Uh, wait, I want to. I want to. I want to answer ahead. that question. So, because somebody asked, you know, what what we can do to help Hispanics uh, join the political process, and I say this all the time, being somebody that's run for office uh, two times, uh, is that. If you want more Hispanics in office, Hispanics have got to come together and donate money. It takes money to win an election. Ask, just, ask Mayor Dean. Uh, you, you don't win just with ideas and getting out and hard work, but uh, the Hispanic community in this area and in Tennessee, if they wanna see more Hispanic political candidates, uh, they're gonna have to get involved and with money and, and time, or else we will never have um, any Hispanic um, legis legislators. Uh, and this is something that, again, people go, oh yeah, I want more Hispanic uh, aldermans and Congress people and, and mayors and all this other stuff, but you're gonna have to get involved uh, because that's the only way they're going to win, no matter 
no matter if they're the greatest candidate in the world. To be sure, that's how the system works. Mayor Dean, uh, a great conversation today. Any last comments on uh, political no, office, climbing the ladder? No, just thank you all for what you do for the city. I mean, I, I do think it's, and I say this frequently on this program that um, diversity and immigration has been great for our city. It's important that um, people succeed here. I mean, I, I think it speaks so well to the city that both of you, uh, Uri and Orlando, picked Nashville as a place to live. I mean, uh, again, it's, it's a compliment to the city. Uh, your success is important for the city and um, I wish you well with your organization and we hope to have you back. Um, you know, we'll be coming out of COVID here. Uh, hopefully we're coming out of it right now. Who knows, but um, Orlando knows, but we, we're coming out of this now <laughs> and, um, and, and times will be better. So we'll have you on, on, on in, the, in the near future again. And again, Pat, thanks. And um, thank you to all our, uh, our viewers. Great, we've been with uh, Dr. Orlando Toyos, the Thank chairman you. of the board, and Yuri Kunza, the president and CEO of the Hispanic, the Nashville area Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Mayor Dean, for this evening. Uh, please uh, tune in to our next edition of Global Nashville with Carl Dean. You can find the calendar on our website, tnwac.org. While you're there, please consider making a gift to our nonprofit. Uh, that's how we keep the lights on here and also consider becoming a member, tnwac.org. Thank you again, uh, gentlemen, for this uh, great conversation and everyone have a great evening. Goodbye.